Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 250-something. 250-something of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. And the reason this is 250-something is I am so off with the numbers all of a sudden. (laughs) Doing podcasts for Patreon and then here, and then I pre-recorded the interview that is going up tomorrow, which is, oh my goodness, my goodness, it's so good. It's so good. So good. You must tune in tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, whatever the date is. I don't know. I don't normally post here on Mondays, but I realized the last podcast I did when I was telling you about the contest I'm having to win a free coaching session with me or a free ebook, I totally left out dozens and dozens and dozens, like 80-something of you people who were kind enough to leave me reviews before the contest, and I don't want to leave you out. If you have subscribed to Hippie Witch on iTunes and you have left me a review, please email me if you want to be in the drawing to win a free coaching call with me or an ebook. Just email me at Joanna. Devoe at gmail.com, your username on iTunes, so that I can add you to the drawing. You are more than welcome to uh, join in the fun here. I'm announcing the winner on October 31st, Samhain, Halloween, every witch's favorite holiday, I think. (laughs) Uh, And since I just, I really just wanted to hop on to tell you that, but I have so much in my brain that I want to say. Sometimes I don't know where to put it all. And I've been MIA for a long time in the newsletter and with the mega vlogs. Uh, the next mega vlog I finally put together will be the last one because I'm finding I'm like falling behind. I record all the vlog footage. But then it starts piling up on me and getting intimidating, putting it all together. So I think I'm just going to go like free range vlogger. I'm just going to start vlogging whenever I feel like it. (laughs) Uh, But I'll talk about more about that on YouTube because not all of you are following me on YouTube, although you totally should. Um, I'm just Joanna DeVoe over there. And I want to talk about death a little bit because we're in the season of that. Uh, I just did a podcast for Patreon that I just titled Memento Mori, which is, it's a favorite mantra of mine um, that is kind of morbid at first glance about, uh, it means basically, you too must die. That's the shorthand for it. It has a lot of different meanings, but it's really just about death. And for me, as I was saying in this podcast, it's always... A reminder to live, to like really, really, really live anytime I remember my own mortality. And uh, that's why I have skulls all over my house. It's 
not a dark thing for me. It's a light thing that it's like, this life is temporary. Enjoy it. Be in your joy. Be in your magic. Make the most of this day. Don't get it twisted and think that you're a slave to a system. You have so much freedom and so much privilege being a modern human these days. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. That's what I get when I see a skull. Or when, like, last week, I went to a funeral. And uh, this was a funeral for somebody who died very, very suddenly, who is a little bit younger than me. And, you know, it shocked the whole family. They actually waited, like, over three weeks, maybe even a whole month to have the funeral because people needed to catch up to the idea that um, this guy had passed away. And he wasn't someone I was very close to. He was a new member of my family by marriage. I had only met him once, but you have to, like, show up for your people. And so that's what I did. I, sh- I showed up. But um, here this month, where I've declared the theme is going to be creating the kick-ass life of your dreams, I find I need to keep talking about death. So, uh, because for me, in the context of creating the kick-ass life of my dreams... Death is an important part of that. It also has to do with the fact that for many, many complicated reasons, I feel that I wasted many years of my life being afraid or not seeing the opportunities that were around me or hiding out. Uh, And I don't blame myself. I had clinical anxiety and depression, and agoraphobia, and then later post-traumatic stress disorder, all those things, right, that uh, so many of us have in common. But I do have, I I don't even know if I have, I can say I have regret. I just wish it would have gone differently because I would have loved to be in the mindset I am now when I was super cute, you know, when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s and like at the height of what is considered a woman's beauty and and when you're feeling the most like rubbery and healthy and bouncy and glowy, <laughs> that would have been awesome. And if anything I say on this podcast at any time helps someone get a little bit closer to that for themselves, I will be thrilled. Uh, If you're not following me on YouTube, my mind is just ping-ponging around right now because this is just me randomly jumping on here and being like, oh yeah, you can do the contest too if you want to. If you want to, please do. Email me. Um, But if you're not following me on YouTube, I just posted a video uh, about Jupiter and Scorpio. And that's a very death vibe because death, Scorpio, that's one of Scorpio's specialties. Scorpio, Pluto is the ruler of the underworld. And uh, it's a very, very intense sign that I know very well. I have a Scorpio moon. I've always been strangely, magnetically attracted to Scorpios as friends and lovers. And uh, it's just a really, really, if you know a Scorpio or you are a Scorpio and you put any weight into astrology, you're probably like shaking your head right now like, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, Scorpios might be the most notorious sign in in the entire Zodiac. They have quite the reputation and for a reason. Um, it's the sign of sex. It's the sign of rebirth. So we, we can't 
We can't, in witchy New Agey circles, talk about death without talking about rebirth, right? And it's the sign of shadow work. So what Jupiter does, if you don't know astrology very well, Jupiter is a magnifier. It enhances and magnifies whatever it touches. So Jupiter is transiting Scorpio. It's cruising through the sign of Scorpio for more than a year, which means this Samhain, this Halloween, uh, when so many of us are into doing shadow work around that time, it's going to be an extra, extra, extra potent time for doing that work. It always is. Every year around this time, this is the time on the wheel of the year when we do that kind of work. But what's special is that energy is going to be amplified. And then it's going to continue for more than an entire year, right into November 2018. So we can continue that work. So it's an amazing time to really kick ass with the shadow work and to get to know yourself better and to unearth some fears and let some old frustrating behaviors finally die so that you can rebirth a new way of being in the world. That's what I was talking about in that very short video, by the way. I was trying to get it under two minutes, but it ended up going a little over three. So <laughs> if you do a minute or if you do a video in under two minutes and 30 seconds, I think, is the cutoff on Twitter. You can you can post it right, right up to Twitter. And I wanted to do that, but I just couldn't say everything I had to say in that time. So I ended up posting it to YouTube. Um, but I also, if you missed that video, I want you to know, I announced that for a week, uh, I am offering $20 off the winter transition module. The winter transition module is Samhain, Halloween. It's the next turn of the wheel. And it's about using those weeks between Samhain and Yule to explore the shadow and to lay, lay to rest old behaviors and ways of being that no longer serve you so that you can come back refreshed for the new year and like start with a clean slate. I love this module. I love it. It's my favorite cover, like the illustration that I did of that like bone lady woman with the ravens. I don't know if you've seen it, but she's my favorite. I will I will link to that uh, on Blog Talk Radio here. So you can check it out if you want to, but it's 20 bucks off. When you use this discount code, just put this code in at checkout, Hocus Pocus, all lowercase letters, no spaces, Hocus Pocus, and then Gumroad will just give you 20 bucks off. And um, that's a great way to start the wheel of the year. A lot of people call uh, Halloween the witch's new year. A lot of people celebrate it that way. Uh I'm a, I was raised on, you know, I was raised in America. I'm a California girl. So for me, Happy New Year is always going to be January 1st. But I have adopted one, which is New Year kind of tradition that I love, that I love. And I maybe I'll talk about that in a little video too, because I want to show off my Halloween costume this year so bad. And I might use that as an excuse, but... I got this from Lori Cabot. I talk about it every year at this time because I think it's just like the best thing ever. I love it so much. 
But uh, she has, I forget the name of it, a Halloween ball in Salem, Massachusetts, which I just had the privilege of visiting for my birthday and I loved. So every year at Halloween, they have this big Halloween ball and she encourages people to wear costumes that represent the kind of energy that they want to bring in for the year ahead. She's one of those people that sees Halloween or Samhain as the witch's new year. So you dress as what you want to be in the new year. You dress as like the vibe you want to, you know, something that empowers you for the new year. So if you're looking to create wealth for yourself in 2018, for Halloween, you would dress up like whatever, whatever represents wealth to you. It could be a character from a book or a movie, or you could just cover yourself with money or jewels or something like that, right? Um, for me, I'm, I am. I think I'm going to make a video about this so I don't rattle on uh, too much about it. But I'm dressing up like Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. I already have my special glasses and my little radish earrings and... Funny enough, I have a lot of things in my <laughs> everyday mundane wardrobe that look very Luna Love Goodish. So I guess I have a quirky wardrobe. I can just go in and like slap together <laughs> a Luna Love Good costume and put my hair like in a side ponytail. And I think people will know, like, hey, you're you're very Luna. But I relate to Luna Love Good because she feels like my inner nerd that I've been trying to get back to for quite a few years now. The inner nerd that I pushed down when I was trying to be a cool girl. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be a badass. So I like shoved my nerd way down into the shadows. But the older I get, the more I want her back. I love her so much. And Luna has this like, she's kooky, right? Um, she's quirky and different and a little bit odd but she's also very very pure and honest and she thinks sees things others don't see and uh, what she has in common with Harry Potter is they've both seen death and so they that opens them up to see things others can't See, I just really, really, really am feeling J.K. Rowling this year, especially <laughs> rereading all the books just by myself and like yelling like, oh my God, Joe Rowling's a genius because she does things like that. Like there's like these profound metaphors woven into this magical tale and I love it so much. So um, at that funeral that I was at, there were a couple of things that really grabbed my attention, one I already mentioned on Patreon, but since most of you aren't on Patreon with me, which you totally can, um, I'm Joanna DeVoe on Patreon if you want to get extra free content over there and support the podcast. That would be awesome. But in case you missed it, one of the things I was talking about is before I went into the funeral service, when I was parking my car, I saw this big square out in the cemetery of like purple primarily but like purple and orange and it was very large considering you know the other gravestones around it but it was like this big plot that had been decorated it looked like Halloween I was like I'm definitely going to check that out after the funeral 
And when I went out after the funeral, I made a beeline for it. And sure enough, it was a, it was a plot. It was two plots actually that were side by side that friends and family had decorated for Halloween. And the gravestones were, they had pictures like photographs of of the kids who were buried there. It was a boy and a girl. They looked like they were from two different families. They had different last names and they looked different. So I imagined maybe that they died together. But their their headstones were very joyful and you know, we love you so much and like had these long messages on it. And then you could just see that these families were Either these kids loved Halloween and so they were making a big deal of it because of that or that they were these maybe the friends and family were coming every holiday to just, you know, incorporate their departed loved ones into the celebration. And it was very moving. I, you know, obviously didn't know the, the kids who passed away, but it got me very choked up and again tapped into that memento mori sensation that always is like, ooh, I want to live. I want to live. And there was a moment too when when I first showed up for the funeral, everybody was gathered outside. We weren't allowed to go into the the church yet because I don't know, they hadn't prepared the room yet. So all the whole congregation was outside and it was a lot of people. And I came bounding up and smiling and ding 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 ding, ding like I do. And I could just see the look on my my mom and my stepdad's faces. It was like a disproving, like, why are you looking happy at a funeral? And I don't, that's just because that's how I felt that day. And and that's who I am largely. So we went in and they were showing, before the the service, they were showing a slideshow of, uh, it was my sister's husband's brother who passed away. And so my sister's husband, who she's been with for a couple of years now, a few years, and his brother, they looked like the boy versions of me and my sister growing up, like two little toe heads growing up in the late 70s and early 80s into the 90s. And it was like all the same fashion and hairdos. And, you know, it made me cry because it just it was so relatable. You know, I just saw us in it. But also like we were just watching the slideshow and like, you know, things would make us laugh, like they would have mullets or whatever. And we weren't being crazy or over top, over the top obnoxious. We were, you know, just sitting there, the two of us, like to ourselves, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, mullets, remember that? And we just kept getting these looks, you know, from my mom and my stepdad, like, how dare you smile or laugh at a funeral? And, uh, I just sort of defiantly was like, this is this, this is how I feel. And this is the energy that I'm going to bring to this today is like, let's celebrate the joy of this guy's life. And I felt like all the people that went up to speak about his life, I got to know him a little bit better. And they were, like I said, he died unexpectedly. It was an accident. So there was a lot of sobbing and crying and shock, uh, and anger about it. Um, some of the speakers had, understandably so. But what I really appreciated was one guy that did not expect to speak. He like just he kind of fell out of the aisle because he just randomly felt inspired to stand up, and then he like tripped over the people and tripped over the little kneeler pads that they have or whatever. 
trying to like bumble up there. And uh, he said, I, 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 you know, what I want to do today is I want to celebrate his life. I want to remember the good times. I want to tell you some funny stories. And it was such a nice elevated moment that brought us all together in laughter at a funeral, which was, you know, a, a sad moment. Uh, and so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that joyful, like all the Halloween decorations on these two kids, uh, gravestone as I was driving home I was like an hour and a half out of town and I passed another cemetery a forest lawn a big huge beautiful cemetery and then it had this big like billboard out front that was inviting people to Dia Dia de los Muertos party at the cemetery and I was like you can do that what (laughs) um I live in Los Angeles, for those of you who don't know. We have a huge Mexican community here. Many, many, many Mexicans all up and down California, but a lot, a lot in Los Angeles, especially, and and all the way down south to the border. So we see a lot of Dia de los... Am I saying that right? Dia de los Muertes. Muertos. Uh, Day of the Dead. We see a lot of that every year at Halloween and... A lot of witchy people are really into it. And then we bring up the whole idea of cultural appropriation. Is it okay to celebrate Day of the Dead if, if you didn't if you weren't raised on it, if you're not Mexican? And that whole conversation. It's so beautiful and it's so alluring, you know, and very, very tempting. Um, but once you learn the stories behind it and what it is, it becomes even more beautiful. And I think that sometimes, not in all cases, but I think sometimes cultural appropriation becomes a temptation because our culture is just like white Westerners. I'm speaking for myself when I say our white bread, puritanical, bleached out culture is lacking in so many ways. Uh, We've been robbed of our ancestors' culture over many, many centuries of time and this like puritanical idea that when, you know, when all of a sudden you find yourself surrounded by Mexicans as I am in my neighborhood, there's a different kind of joy that, you know, we just didn't have around Halloween, you know, around ideas of death. And there's all this beauty and color and food and and life, life coming out of death. And it's it's very magical and it's very exciting. And so I think maybe there's something about cultural appropriation in this one regard. And maybe in all of it, I haven't really contemplated the, the larger implications of this. But it's just like, it's a longing for what is true. It's a longing for the celebration of death as death being a a rebirth, a real rebirth, right? And celebrating the life that has passed, the life that was lived as well. And so I was having all these thoughts. And once I saw that funeral, uh, what am I saying? The um, forest lawn. Once I saw that that cemetery was actually having a big event and inviting people to come celebrate, I noticed other funeral 
funeral homes, other cemeteries in the area are doing the same thing. So that's a thing, apparently. I don't know. Once it entered my awareness, I started seeing it everywhere. And then what happened yesterday is I, I picked a card and a new deck I have, Tarot Apocalypsis. It is the follow-up deck from Eric C. Dune and Kim Huggins, who did my all-time favorite, 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 favorite deck, the Tarot Illuminati. I got myself the Tarot Apocalypsis as a birthday present. And I just had a dinner party at my house for uh, kind of like a post-birthday, welcome autumn kind of thing with some of my favorite witchy people. And I busted out this deck to show them I don't want to talk. I want to talk smack about anybody's art, so I'm not going to. But there were things about this deck that were a little, like, mm, disappointing to me. There's some cards where, I don't know, I, I wasn't feeling it. So I busted it out, and I wanted to see, you know, what other people thought. And we all kind of thought the same thing. Like, some of the art was just weird. Like, the body proportions were off, and it just didn't have the same magic as the Tarot Illuminati. But I will say that it reads beautifully. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm just in the same like mind zone as Kim Huggins and Eric C. Dune, but I can the reason the Terra Illuminati is my favorite deck is because I get amazing readings with it. And so I've been reading with this deck, and even though I don't really like some of the cards, I find them distracting because I'm like, okay, a body cannot that body it there's weird like plays of light that make the bodies and the legs and the limbs look twisted in in weird, unnatural ways, and I find that distracting. But beyond that, there are many cards that I actually think are very beautiful. Some that are my favorite cards of any deck. One is the Hierophant, I really, really love, but the card I pulled yesterday is Death. The Death card is the coolest, most beautiful Death card I have ever seen. And um, it's in honor of, again, with the Mexicans and death, the Mexican cult of Santa Muerte. I better bust out my reading glasses. <laughs> I always make a lot of noise when I have a book in my hand here because I got to put these reading glasses on. Um, but uh, so here, let me tell you what the Apocalypsis is since this is not a visual medium and you can't see me, but this little paragraph here is how it's laid out. In the Tarot Apocalypsis, each card reveals a mystery, the major arcana through the symbolism and teachings of mystery religions, mystical practices, such as the Eleusinian, oh geez, Eleusinian Illusinian. Oh my lord. I was going to say illusion, but when I look at it, it's E L E U S I N I A N. Illusinian Mysteries of Greece or Durga Puja of India. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> so the major arcana are its mystery traditions, basically, mystery religions. The minor arcana through four ancient civilizations and their everyday interactions with the sacred. And then the court cards through representations of deities worshipped in these civilizations. And this deck comes with a bonus card that you can incorporate into the deck if you want to read with an extra card. And it's um, the gifted one. And it's also a really pretty card of Pandora, which I thought was really an interesting it's a beautiful card. You'll just have to Google it so you can look at the imagery. 
But uh, this death card is gorgeous for all the reasons I'm talking about, right? It's a lot to look at. I'm looking at it right now, and it's like this skinny skeleton woman wearing a very colorful kind of bridal gown and a crown. She has an owl on her shoulder, and she's carrying a, um, what is it that the Grim Reaper carries? A scythe? A sith? Jeez, whatever the Grim Reaper carries. <laughs> and then all around her are like glowing candles and marigolds. It's beautiful. And I wanted to read you a little bit about this. It actually, the the book, get the kit if you're interested in the tarot apocalypsis because it's the book that is magic. Kim Huggins, I, I will say it till the day I die. I've said it already a jillion times. Kim Huggins is a tarot genius. She's the smartest person I know on tarot. Very, very smart. This book is worth just owning on its own, even if you don't like the deck. It's fantastic. And for each card, you get, you know, a few pages of details about whatever, like in this case, the Mexican cult of Santa Muerte. And uh, so I'll just read you. The first section is, is uh, read like it's coming from Santa Muerte. So she's speaking. So I'll read a little bit of that to you. She says, All things must die. It is inevitable and unavoidable. Yet this simple truth strikes terror into the hearts of so many. They cling to life, clutching it preciously to them, desirous of it. They want more of it, more life, more time. But there is no possibility of more. There is only enough. I am the boundary that defines what is enough. I am there when the last grain of sand in the hourglass falls, and I am there when the first glimmer of life sparks into existence, for that life is mine. It is only through me that you might have your beginnings. Every moment in the universe is a beginning and an ending. In truth, you do not die once, but countless times. There is no moment in time when you are not dying. Okay, then she says, I am most holy death, that beautiful skinny sister who brings profound transformation along the unknown road. I am shrouded in a bridal gown out of love for you, and in my skirts the seeds of life yet remain. Mine are the treasures of the world below and within, Know death, and you will know yourself. Know the time of harvesting, and you shall not truly end. Woohoo! I had to read that because we're in the time of harvesting. We just had the autumn equinox. We're coming up on what I call winter transition, Samhain, which is the final harvest. And um, we get three harvest festivals for those of us who follow the wheel of the year. So we're right in the midst of the Harvest Festival. So I thought that was kind of perfect. Um, I'm flipping through the book right now because there, I don't, this is like four or five pages long, five, I think. Um, <laughs> what else could I read to y'all? Santa Muerte does not bring dormancy and stagnation. Instead, oh, she is a super action 
supernatural action figure who heals, provides, and punishes, among other things. She is the hardest working and most productive folk saint on either side of the border. She is particularly well known for the profound and long-lasting transformation of alcoholics and drug addicts. Many of the cults in the major arcana of the tarot apocalypsis are ancient and dead, but the cult of Santa Muerte, of death, is very much alive. True death is not about stagnation, but transformation. Woohoo! That's everything I wanted to say today, I think. I say that, and then the second I end this, I'll be like, no, but there's this other thing. <laughs> Uh, I hope you'll tune in for Abiola, Abiola Abrams tomorrow because we had a crazy interesting talk about uh, black girl magic. But something I'm thinking a lot about since talking to her is the visioning portion of manis- manifesting, of deliberate creation of magic um, and how the vision that you literally hold in your mind is so responsible for the ultimate outcome it's it's a really powerful funny story that she has to share about that so i hope you guys will tune in i hope you enjoyed this and again if you already left me a review and you're already subscribed to hippie witch on itunes just shoot me an email at joanna devoe at gmail.com and i will add you to the drawing until we meet again much love to you peace